You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome. This is Michael Litchens once again with the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 1st, the first Wednesday in Holy Week. The only Wednesday in Holy Week. It's also April Fool's Day, but we have no jokes, I'm afraid to tell you. Today we're about to enter the Tridium. Holy Thursday starts tomorrow, and we start entering into Christ's crucifixion, and finally his resurrection. For all of you who've been doing Lent Hardcore, you've been waiting for this moment for a very long time. For all of you who are new to Lent, this has probably been especially a great roller coaster. Lent is my favorite season of the church, mostly because I can look forward to Easter Sunday. And this Easter Sunday, I'll actually be celebrating my 11th year as a confirmed Catholic. Yes, I'm one of those adult converts. And today I wanted to help us get into this Easter Tridium, especially for Good Friday. This is a reflection from Jacques Benigne Bousset's Meditations for Lent. We titled this Christ's Sorrow and Passion. As you know, Meditations for Lent, if you listen to this podcast, I've read from this before, it's a wonderful little resource for getting through Lent. If you haven't been able to read it, you can absolutely buy it today at sophieinstitute.com or from Catholic Exchange's store. Uh, this is a great reflection to really start getting into Good Friday to remember our Lord's suffering and ultimately his resurrection. So let's start. Christ's Sorrow and Passion by Jacques Benigne Bousset Jesus, desiring to enrich us, first gave us his blood to purify us so that we might be able to receive the gifts he offers. O oh, my dear Savior, you go out to the Garden of Olives, to the house of Caiaphas, to the Praetorium of the Roman Governor, and at last you climb Mount Calvary. Everywhere you go, you pour out the blood of your new covenant, the blood by which our crimes are expiated and abolished. Let us contemplate Jesus in his sorrowful passion and see the precious blood of the new alliance flow forth, the blood by which we are to be redeemed. It first flows in the Garden of Olives. The robes of my Savior are pierced, and the earth is moistened by the blood sweat of his body. O oh God! What is this spectacle that so bewilders us? What is, rather, this mystery that both cleanses and sanctifies us? Is not the answer that our Savior knew that our salvation was in his blood? And that, from his ardent desire to save our souls, his blood bursts forth, blood which holds within itself our life much more than his own? Thus it seems that this divine blood, so desirous of flowing forth for us, overflowed by the force of his charity before any violence had been done to his body. Let us rush with faith to receive this blood. O earth, cover not this blood. It has poured out for our souls. This unprecedented sweat reveals another mystery. In his desire to expiate our crimes, Jesus voluntarily abandoned himself to an infinite sorrow for all our excesses. He saw them all, one by one, and was afflicted by them beyond measure. As if he himself had committed them, for he was charged with them before God. Yes, our iniquities poured upon him from every direction, so that he could say with David, The torrents of iniquity troubled me. This is why he said, Now is my soul troubled. This was the cause of the inexplicable anguish that brought him to pronounce these words, My soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. The immensity of sorrow could in fact have dealt the death blow itself, if Jesus had not restrained his soul, preserving it to endure great evils and to drink the whole cup of his passion. 
He nevertheless allowed his blood to overflow in the Garden of Olives to convince us that our sins, yes, our sins alone without the executioner's help, could have brought about his death. Can you believe that sin could have such great power and evil? If we only saw Jesus fall into the hands of the soldiers who scourged, tormented, and crucified him, we would blame his death only upon his nature. Now that we see him succumb in the Garden of Olives, where he has only our sins to persecute him, we may accuse ourselves. Let us weep, beat our breasts, and tremble in the very depths of our conscience. How could we not be seized with fright, having ourselves in our very own hearts so certain a cause of his death? If sin alone suffice to kill God, how can mortal men survive with such a poison in their bodies? No. We exist only by a continuous miracle of mercy. That same divine power that miraculously sustained the soul of the Savior, that he might endure the whole punishment, sustains ours, that we might accomplish our penance, or at least begin it. After our Savior had made his blood pour forth by the force of his afflicted charity alone, we can easily believe that he would not spare it from the cruel persecutors of his innocence. Wherever Jesus was during the course of his passion, a furious cruelty wounded him again and again. If we were to accompany him to each of the places he went, we would see the bloody tracks that marked his way. The chief priest's house, the Roman judge's tribunal, the guard's house, where Jesus was handed over to the brutal insolence of the soldiers, and all the streets of Jerusalem are stained with the divine blood that purified heaven and earth. We should never come to an end should we attempt to consider all of the cruel circumstances in which this innocent blood was shed. It suffices to say that on this day of blood and carnage, on this day at once deadly and salvific, on which the powers of hell are loosed upon Jesus Christ, he renounced his own power. While his enemies are able to do all that they wished, he voluntarily reduced himself to the condition of enduring all. By the effect of the same divine plan, God loosened the bridle of the envious and held back all the power of his Son. While the powers of hell are unchained, the protection of heaven was withdrawn, so that Jesus was exposed naked and disarmed, powerless and without being able to resist, to anyone who wished to insult him. After this, need we contemplate the infinite detail of his sorrow? Need we consider how he was ruthlessly handed over to lackeys and soldiers to be the subject of their bloody scorn, and to suffer from their insolence every blow that their pitiless mockery and malicious cruelty could deal? Need we imagine this dear Savior allowing his blood and body to feel the strength of these executioners, their hard scourge upon his back, their sharp spines upon his head? O divine Jesus, how much blood did it cost the God-man to win our salvation? The new covenant was not yet sealed, for his veins had not been emptied upon the cross. We must consider the suffering of a man whose limbs were bruised and broken by a violent haining, no longer even feeling his wounds, haining from hands torn by the weight of his body, completely beaten by the loss of his blood. Amid the excessive pain he was lifted up. It seemed for the sole purpose of seeing the crowd of people mock him and to laugh at his deplorable condition. After all this, could we be surprised if Jesus were to ask, Is there any sorrow like my sorrow? Our hearts should be made tender by this pitiable sight. We must not leave the great spectacle of Calvary to do it with dry eyes. There is no heart so hardened that it can see human blood spilled and not be moved. 
But the blood of Jesus gives our hearts the grace of compunction, which is the emotion of penitence. Those who remained near his cross and watched him breathe his final breath returned home beating their breasts. Jesus Christ, dying with a cruel death and spilling his innocent blood, poured out a spirit of compunction and penitence upon the whole of Mount Calvary. We must not let our hearts be hardened. Let us make Calvary echo with the sound of our sobbing. Let us weep bitter tears for our sins and turn against ourselves with a holy anger. Let us break all unworthy habits and leave behind our worldly lives. Let us carry in ourselves the death of Jesus Christ. That was once again Bishop Wusue with uh, Christ's Sorrow and Passion from Meditations for Lent. You can find that at sophieinstitute.com or catholicexchange.com. Hard to meditate on these, actually. My heart is beating way too fast from just having to read that out loud, but it's needed. We should listen to our Lord and listen to these words and imagine what Christ was going through on that cross. My friends, as we enter the mystery of Holy Week and into the Easter season, let's keep this in mind and also think of when Christ finally defeated even this horrific death. God love you all. Have a blessed week and a holy Easter. Cheers.